Aloha guys, it's Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, back at it again for Curvy Geeky Fangirl Recaps, or CGF Recaps, as I've been saying, so we're going to get on board with that at some point. And that's also the hashtag for the podcast, so if you're taking a listen and some thoughts cross your mind and you want to get into our conversation, that is the best hashtag to attach. If you're doing anything through Twitter or Instagram, I'll be checking for those so that we can continue this conversation. You also can hit me up on anchor the anchor app allows you to also like record your own like mini response if you want and if you do so i'll be able to add it to the podcast so something to keep in mind but yes this is a weekly recap podcast i can talk uh that basically covers all the things in geek that i come across throughout the week a lot of that is tv shows sometimes it's plays sometimes it's film sometimes it's books sometimes it's all of the above so it just depends on what we're going through. So I will be covering uh, what I usually recover, which is DC TV. So Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Magicians, which is sci-fi, will be coming up as well. I'm also going to go over some plays I caught this weekend, which was Top and Bottom and the Underground Railroad Game, as well as going into my Asian dramas. I caught a new show this week called Iron Ladies. Uh, also, new My Hero Academia has come back on. So I'm going to talk about the first episode that hit the screens lately and their manga also the latest book also came out this april so all of that is going on over here uh just in case you did not know you can find me all over social media through instagram twitter my website curvygeekyfangirl.com you can find this podcast like i said on anchor also through itunes google play music pocket cast and now stitcher so all of that is happening it's very exciting. It's a fun time to be alive, guys. So check out for all of that. I also want to give you the heads up that there will be spoilers. So I ain't afraid of no spoilers. And if you are the type that wants to be able to go into a show or anything that I'm covering with just a fresh perspective and not have any, any insider knowledge about what's going on, please pause the podcast here. Check out all the things I mentioned and then come back because I will be talking spoilers the whole way through. So that being said, we're going to kick it off with Legends of Tomorrow, like I usually do, right after this. Okay, so we're going to be getting into Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, I don't know if this was the finale or not. I should probably check on. I don't think it's the finale. So Legends of Tomorrow came out with their latest episode, and it was its cheesiest ever and in the greatest way so as everybody knows who either watches legends or gave up watching legends it's because of this huge cheese factor that comes with the show the show fully envelops the fact that it's based on a comic and it uses a lot of comic logic to push its story forward and it did not hesitate with this latest episode it was it was hysterical it was hysterical and crazy and we got to see some familiar faces come up and some new ones who may or may not have been a part of the show this whole time. So all of that went through. Let's see here. Oh, nope, we still have one more episode before the finale. So I wanted to check. So this latest episode, the biggest takeaways, okay, first of all, we got Grodd back. So we got Gorilla Grodd back in the scene. I didn't know this dude existed until the Flash TV series. I'm not a big DC comic book reader. I did not know this was one of their main villains. The fact that there is a telepathic gorilla intent on like destroying the world. I, I have a lot of questions, but anyway, so they put Grodd in here and he's supposed to help shake things up to help free Mollus. And by doing that, he needs to create another anachronism in the timeline. And he decides to go after Barry. So people are thinking like Barry, that could be Barry anything, Barry Gordy, Barry whatever. But it turns out they're talking about Barry, as in Barack Obama, Barack Barry Obama himself. So we see like a college-aged Barack Obama running away from a telepathic ape who's giving him like backhanded compliments. Like, <laughs> like it's an honor to destroy your life. And like, you know, I'm almost sorry that I have to kill you. It was, it was very, <laughs> very interesting and very plaintive 
like where the writers are in terms of their stance on presidents right now. It's very interesting. But we got that. Uh, I also loved that they had Barack like integrally in the episode. So at first it looked like they were just going to touch on it for just the beginning and have it be their like, ooh, what, what a day type of episode. But instead, like we get to see him again. So he dispenses like some advice to Sarah when she's tr trying to figure things out. Like how do I go about making sure my team is getting ahead and how do I also face what's going on with, with Ava right now? And it, uh, true to all of the expectations that we have of our fake Barack Obama on this television show, he lives up to them. And he gives her some very good sane advice there about, you know, just letting people kind of figure things out for themselves and realistic and set realistic expectations for things. Mind you, uh, I'm pretty sure Sarah just popped the heck up in his life and has told him ridiculous out of the world things. And he's just genuinely responding, not asking any questions. And it's just like, well, okay, yes, I bet these feelings, Sarah. It, it was lovely and ridiculous at the same time. We also got John Noble. Was he was he always the voice of Mollus? More things to look up. Was he always the voice of Mollus for Legends of Tomorrow? Or did they just add this in here? Like what what is happening? But he shows up in the episode. And oh, he is. He is Mollus. Is he Mollus? Wait. No, he is. Yeah. Well, there we go. So he is Mollus. So I did not know that. So apparently he, John Noble's been the voice of Mollus this whole time. And they decided to act, add real life John Noble into it. And I thought they did it in a very clever way. It was a nice shout out to his epic role from Lord of the Rings and also kind of touching on Fringe a little bit. I just love that Ray got to be the fanboy who goes up there to pretend to be the PA. And he's like, well, we need to read the script. And it's a script intended to like fool Nora into thinking she's talking to the real Mollus. And he, and even though he's got some questions, like why is this part of the script for Lord of the Rings? As soon as Ray says, oh, well, you know, it's production notes, you know, from, from corporate. He's like, oh, okay. And then just goes ahead and reads it without hesitation. Was it ridiculous? Yes. Did it work? Yes. It, it was It was a nice touch. A nice shout out. And we got to see John Noble live in the flesh. And if you were like me and did not know he was the voice actor from Alice, it was a nice shout out to that. So we got to see that as well. I also kind of really dug that Damien Dark decides to join Team Legends. Yes, it's underhanded. And he betrays them eventually. But you can see the torture. You can see him being like... He's never going to go full good guy. He's never going to be like, oh, I've learned the error of my ways. Now I understand. But I love that having this relationship with his daughter is giving him a little bit more humanity. Not only that, but we get to see more of his lovely face. It's the actor who plays him, it, like I said, steals the show every single time. And I love that Like more and more he's starting to, I don't want to say become a good guy, but he's starting to, to settle more in the gray if this ends up being an anti-hero turn for him, I'd buy it. I, I like that he's kind of in this like ambiguous moral ground right now between really trying to save his daughter so that she does not lose herself to Mollus, but at the same time still trying to rule the world in his image. So, you know, priorities. Uh, but yes, he joins the Legends group and it's a whole thing of like really seeing if he can trust him or not. He even gets one of the tokens. He gets the death totem. So that he can, you know, help them defeat Mollus, which of course turns out badly. He totally betrays them, thinking he's got to save his daughter. And Mollus ends eventually takes up her body anyway. So who knows where that's going to go now? They still have all the totems, but are they going to be able to count on Damien to help them defeat Mollus? Is he still going to be on their side now, even though Nora is gone? Like, is he going to do this as a revenge for Nora? Or it's up in the air. It is up in the air. And who knows? Well, we know it's legends. It's gonna, they're gonna win. But who knows if Damien's gonna be part of that team or not? If it's eventually gonna follow Sarah to use that totem. So I'll be interested to see where that goes. And okay, we got a lot of Zambezi. We got a lot of Zambezi going on. Like I said, since Amaya has joined the legends, this has been a cornerstone 
for her character this whole time. Whether or not she's going to save Zambezi, whether or not she's going back to Zambezi, like this this whole back and forth, this whole back and forth. I thought we were going to get like a little bit of resolution because we go back to Zambezi. She's got full intents to try and save it, regardless of what chaos it causes. And it ends up being the catalyst to free miles in the first place. But um, I was a little confused as to how they did all this. A, we had, you know, the young Amaya that's been flirting with Nate this whole time. And then we had an older Amaya. And they pretty much said the groundwork, groundwork and had Amaya explain that the only way older Amaya would be there is if she messed with her own memories, like took out her memories of being with the legends and being in love with Nathaniel. That's the only way she would have returned to continue this life. But towards the end of the episode, she like, well, okay, well, it could have just been me, but it looks like it was fully implied that she completely remembers him because she calls him Nathaniel, even though he introduced himself as Nate to her, the old, and I'm talking about the older Amaya. So older Amaya goes through this whole thing where she can't remember him. That's where we get the full explanation. But then towards the end of it, when Nate saves her using the earth totem, cause now he's got it to use, greedy Nate. She remembers and calls him Nathaniel. I don't know if that was a slip, if that was on purpose, or if that, is, is that gonna relate to anything? Was that just because they wrote the scene for that one instance? Confusion, confusion, and I don't. I still don't know why we need this Amaya Nate thing. Why? Why is it so important that we have this Amaya Nate thing? Who cares? Anyway, there's that. Who knows? It's kind of up in the air now whether or not these warlords are going to get Zambezi, or were did, did the the grand did the daughter effectively defeat them before Grodd got on the scene? A thousand questions. I don't know. Uh, also, I really thought we were going to have this nice, like, Ava rip back and forth now that Ava knows that she's a clone. And said we didn't. It was kind of brushed over. And granted, there were a lot of other things happening in the show. But I just thought we were going to get more of a conversation between those two. I mean, we did learn that Rip hid it from her. He He didn't really admit to doing so, but he also didn't deny that he would have been up to that. So there was that. And we did find out that she's like the 12th clone that he's used for this particular position, which is running the organization. So, but that was pretty much it. There wasn't more of a blowout. There wasn't like, I need a full explanation as to A, how you came across this timeline and B, why you needed an Ava in the first place for all of this. Like what? And he keeps saying that she's special, that she's unique and she's special. I have a thousand questions, more questions, but we didn't really touch on anything. And then, you know, everything else took off. They had to defeat Malus and uh, they were all gung ho about completely turning and doing this anachronism to help Zambezi get saved and help Amaya. And Ava was out. She was like, and done. Um, no, we're not doing all of this. I'm part of the time bureau for a reason, but that was it. That's all we got. So are we going to find out more in the, the finale? More questions, more questions. And also, what what are we doing with Wally? I feel like we're falling into the Flash uh, version of Wally, which is the Wally what we don't do anything with. We've got somebody who's a speedster, who, for all intents and purposes, I mean, technically, is it technically? I want to say he's faster than Barry. I remember, or maybe he just learned faster than Barry. I want to say he's faster than Barry. But for all intents and purposes, we've got somebody who can travel literally faster than the speed of light. And for whatever reason, they keep not using him in situations where he could clearly have been used. Example, when they decided to go back to Zambezi and Grodd first hits the scene, there's nothing to stop Wally from making sure Grodd gets taken out. Like making sure he's no longer a distraction towards everything else that's happening. He wasn't knocked out. They weren't fighting something else. He could have done that. And then they could have moved on to, an, to another thing. A thousand, a thousand, a thousand, maybe he was knocked out. Did Damien knock him out? You know what? I don't even care. He's a speedster. He should have like re fixed himself and just like healed really fast and got back up and kept it going. I don't understand why they keep writing him into different scenarios and then not using him. It doesn't make any sense. Here's hoping that we get a little bit more of him in the finale and in the later season, hopefully next season. <coughs> Excuse me. Hopefully they are greenlit for the next season. So outside of that, um, that was pretty much it for Legends of Tomorrow. We got a lot of action. We got a lot of silliness. 
We got some unexpected twists, like with Damien joining the team and um, and Grodd getting on the scene, some Barack Obama for some random reason, and Malice fully formed and coming out to the world. So, but, but that's it. But that's it. And now we have this finale, and we're going to see if they're going to tie everything up neatly. Supposedly, Constantine's coming back. Jax might be making an appearance. It's in the Wild West again for some reason. So that's going to be happening. We'll see. We'll see how all of that works out. And hopefully it works out well. All right. But after that, after this, we're going to be moving on to Black Lightning, which is my favorite DC TV show right after this. Okay. So also talking about Black Lightning, we had another new episode this week. Okay, it was okay. It wasn't super, super action packed, and you know, it didn't really give us a whole lot of new things. It was a lot of catch up, but we got some great things out of it, and that's the biggest takeaways that I'm going to talk about. Uh, first things off, for me, I'm very happy that Gamby is back in the picture. So, Gamby is not all forgiven in regards to Gamby, but they are definitely on a better, in a better place between him and Jefferson. Uh, it seems like Jefferson's kind of getting a better understanding of exactly why Gamby did the things that he did, uh, knowing that he was wrong, but but trying to you know find redemption in helping to raise Jefferson and and his daughters and being a part of their lives and making sure everybody's safe. So there's that. Uh, I also really love that Gamby was very integral in helping to get Jefferson out of prison. So Jefferson gets put into prison uh, as a frame up because we learned last week that the ASA are pretty is pretty sure that he is Black Lightning. They are absolutely correct. We as the viewers know that. But, you know, they are still not 100% sure, but they want to take him out anyway because he could be a threat. Uh, the issue with that, though, is that the person they have on the inside is his vice principal. And she is very staunchly believing that he is not Black Lightning. It's been implied throughout most of this season that the vice president or vice president yeah vice principal has some kind of feelings towards jefferson and it's completely understandable he's ridiculously handsome he really cares about the kids in his community and he does an amazing job at taking care of these kids and we see that on display uh as he gets arrested at school and these kids are like trying to stand up to the police and being like no 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 you're not taking mr jefferson out like this and and him being able to talk them down so on the one hand, she's doing evil things. She's helping to farm black people. But on the other hand, she's also like really hesitant to put her crush in jail and then have him, you know, exterminated. So she's dealing with these things back and forth. It was the nice, it was nice breath of fresh air to actually get a little bit of her perspective because for the most part, she's kind of just floated in the background. If that was purposeful or not, mm, who knows? It's a shortened season. I, who knows? I mean, there's only so much they can do in a full season. So there's that. But but in all of that, Gamby uh, came to the rescue. He figured out a way to put Black Lightning uh, in a public spot that could be, you know, so that he could be visibly seen while Jefferson's also in jail. So that, you know, the, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't seem like they are the same person. It was a nice little hologram thing they did. And he worked with Anissa and her just walking him down the street. Super cool. All of that, fantastic. But yeah, so Gamby, Gamby kind of came back into it and it ended with a nice family dinner with Gamby also being a part of that dinner. So it was really cute to have him back on, back on the team and back, you know, back in the thing. Also, like I said, Anissa for the win. Anissa walking down the neighborhood streets of Freeland, looking like her badass self as Thunder. Awesome. And I love that without question, her and Gamby are like on the same page of like how to get everything done. And that she's taking this hero thing super, super seriously. She's killing it out here. She's doing a great job right now. It is a matter of time before something bad happens that may or may not be in her control. But for right now, I'm going to enjoy the ride of her being on the upswing of things and, and her being able to get, you know, what she wants to get done and really, really enjoying her powers and being able to help others. So I really like that aspect of her. Um, and... I also loved that there was very little Jennifer angst happening in this episode. I mean, we, we still got a, we got a tiny bit of it with her when her dad gets taken away and 
you know, she has her moment of you know, frustration and panic and, and Jefferson being there to help her calm her down so that she doesn't expose her abilities, you know, to the whole school and potentially the whole world. That was a nice, a nice little breather for them. And I, I'm, I just needed a break from all of the why me syndrome that was happening with her. I'm still waiting for team family lightning to get together. It seems like it's going to be a while before any of that happens. Granted, she is 16. Maybe, maybe they're trying to stretch it out or maybe in the comics they stretch it out. I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't need angsty Jennifer right now. So I'm glad for the little mini break. I'll take it. Also, Inspector Henderson got his little standout moment. He got a chance to shine in this episode. So Henderson has, he's known now for a little bit that there's definite corruption happening in his precinct. He just wasn't sure who was at the source of this corruption. And he figures it out with Jefferson gets taken away and gets hauled away. Uh, he sees the flimsy warrant for him and he starts to put, you know, two and two together to realize that the deputy chief, deputy chief Cayman is the person that's leading the charge for all the corruption in the, in his current precinct. And he's, he very smartly figures a way to stop it. You know, he figures out who his cohort is and he's able to blackmail this guy into working with him so they can take Cayman down and start building up a cleaner precinct. I did find it ominous that uh, the, the, the former deputy chief, as he's being taken away, is like, you don't know how to run this city. And I feel like those words are gonna come back to haunt Henderson because he doesn't know exactly everything that's going on in this city. And I don't wanna say it's with blinders, but it's definitely with, ah, is it even naivety or ignorance? I'm gonna say ignorance that, you know, the people that are in league with, with these bad guys, with these drug dealers helping to corrupt his town are some of the biggest and the, the biggest people that are currently out there in terms of power. Like they're in high offices. So it'll be interesting to see now that he's taking over this position, what exactly he learns from it and what he's going to be doing moving forward. I still have fingers crossed that they do not end up corrupting this guy. I would really love it if they don't make him turn into a bad cop or put him in a position where he's gotta be a bad cop to like save somebody or something. I'm gonna hope for the best and hope that he's gonna stay a reliable figure for Black Lightning to also work with so that they can clean up Freeland. So that's gonna be the hope. Um, also, there's still no Tobias. When is Tobias coming back? Tobias is by far my favorite villain on the show. I still don't know what's going on with Lala or what exactly he's doing. Uh, but I'm really excited for Tobias to come back just in a face-off with Lala and a face-off with Jefferson alone, especially now that all this information is on the open. And I don't think Gamby even told him about his connection to Tobias. So it'll be interesting to see all of that also unfold. It is asking a lot for a first season for them to do all of that, but I don't know. They've been keeping it interesting. I want to say this was the slowest episode so far. Yeah, I want to say it's the slowest episode so far. And But it still wasn't bad. It still was a fun ride. So I'll take it. It wasn't too, too, too crazy. So with that all being said, I'm going to be moving on to the Magician's finale right after this. All right, so we had our Magician's finale this week or this past week. Okay. Okay. So I've got several feelings on this finale. So let's jump into it. So my biggest takeaways, uh, first one up was that the quest is finally done. I felt like they purposefully drew out this quest for the show and they, they probably did. This was the whole, you know, reason for them to be going into things in the first place, try to bring magic back, try to correct the mistakes from their last season uh, where they kind of just messed up a lot of different things that it resulted in magic being taken away in the first place. And, um, but I feel, I feel like they built up a lot of things for no payoff. Uh, that being said, uh, Julia being one of the casualties to this quest. So, they spent all of this season building up the fact that Julia is becoming a goddess. And I know in, in the books, Julia becomes a goddess. 
But for whatever reason, the show decided that we were just going to have her become a goddess for this season. And not even for a full season. She started out with like a little spark that slowly but surely grew into the flame, to quote them. And then she lost it all because because of some crazy crap from Alice. But 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 that was it. So like she did all of this and gained all this knowledge only to throw it all away in order to, I guess, in order to help her friends and to finish this quest. But to what end? I I didn't particularly like how they ended up for Julia. It, it's, it's kind of a weird thing where, is it, I, I wouldn't say it's only the females, but it feels like it. a lot of the female storylines end in just, just misery. So there's that. Uh, and you know, I mean, after the the whole point of the quest was to like make sure that whatever monster is locked up, you know, behind this door to get the magic stays locked up, and they clearly fail that. They fail that with flying colors because it's just madness after madness after madness once they get to where they have to go. So they end up going to Black Spire, which is the inverse of White Spire. It's literally on the underside of Fillory, uh, where they house this beast, and this beast is basically just only capable of want but incapable of dying? Like, why couldn't the gods destroy this thing? But whatever, they couldn't for some reason. So so they have to get past this monster because if they let it, let it free, it's just gonna apparently kill the world. So all of that. Um, but we find out it's got a caretaker and it's kind of viewed like a child, but like a destructive one. And then we also find out that this thing can jump bodies. So... All of that happening at one time. Uh, but they had magic turned on, so there's that. There's that. Magic did get turned back on. No thanks to Alice. So Alice just stays crazy. Like, the, I don't know, not since its inception, but they very much in the last few seasons have groomed Alice to be this person who's incredibly capable of doing a lot of amazing things, but all of it has been dark. Like all, all of it has been self-serving and dark. And I mean, she's done some things where she sacrificed herself for the betterment of others, like to save her friends. Um, I would even argue like in an attempt to save her brother, she did some stuff. But for the most part, she's just been like this snooty know-it-all who, who just stays who just keeps getting in her own way over and over and over and over again. It's a little tired for me. I, I Again, I would love it if at some point she either realized what was going on and tried to make better steps towards improving that or uh, just disappeared because I don't understand why we have to keep her in this constant state of of want and, uh, and not growing. I don't, I don't get it. So Alice decides uh, that she knows what's best for everyone and tries to get rid of magic on her own. Like after they figure out where they've got to go and they get to Black Spire and they're about to put the keys into this magical water fountain, she takes all the keys from them and uses the last bit of fairy dust magic that she's got uh, to try and melt the keys, destroys the keys. And then she's also got a potion from the Dean to wipe her memory. So after she does all of this, she's gonna just take this potion and not remember anything that happened. So she'll be useless in trying to gain anything back. Thankfully, Julia steps in to stop them, but then this relates to Julia also losing her ability and just, oh, just more madness. Cause Julia has to sacrifice her entire power to make new keys so they can turn magic on, which they end up finally doing. But I just, I don't understand. Everybody knew she was gonna betray them. Everybody knew that she was already working for the library and yet, they still let her get this close to everything and were a surprise when she it was like betrayal again by Alice. Ugh. The only upside to this is now after everything's been said and done uh, and magic is back on, library got greedy and is now in full control of magic and in the part and in the path of doing that, rather than kill these kids, they decided to keep them alive, but wipe their memories. So none of them know they're magicians, basically. And they're all living separate lives outside of magic. But Alice is the one who remembers everything. And she, right now she's a prisoner of the library because she betrayed everybody and didn't live up to anybody's word. So they're currently, they currently have her in holding, but now she's freaking out because that monster that they came across in the Black Spire 
fully knows who they are and will be after them, irregardless of the fact that they don't know that they are, were a part of this magical world. So it's, it's very much implied that going into the next season, Alice is going to be central in trying to help her friends and also trying to straighten this new mess out. I'm hoping that means that we're going to be on the upswing of redemption for Alice and no more of this like pity party situations. Hopefully. Let's hope for that. There were some twists I didn't see coming also. The Queen Fairy sacrificing herself for her people. It hinted towards that before, but I guess now that they have a secure place to live and they're not relying on the key anymore to help maintain their safety. And she knows that there's several people that are going to continue to hunt them down in an effort to help make themselves feel better if they ever lost magic again. She decides that she's going to sacrifice herself and she makes a new deal with a, I know, I don't know the girl's not even important. The, the, the lady who's been hunting fairies in the first place, her, her whole family had been hunting and making slaves of fairies in the first place. She makes a deal with her. And she's basically like, you're going to take me. You're not going to go after any more fairies. You're going to use me for whatever your power grinding thing is you're trying to do. And you're going to regret the fact that you made this deal. That's what she says. And I mean, you could take those last words to mean anything. It could have just been like a last, you know, snapback to what was happening. Or it could be a legit warning. And and with the fairies, it's usually a legit warning. Like you don't see the aftermath of this deal. That that's part of fairy deals is that, you know, they're they're known for making a deal that on the surface looks like it's gonna benefit you, but once it unfolds, it causes far more harm than good. So I'm looking forward to see all the fallout. So I'm hoping that that's gonna there's gonna be some some backlash to everything that's gone on because honestly, things are getting crazy and super clockwork orange in regards to magic. So that that went down. Also, um, the library getting upper hand in controlling the distribution of magic. On paper, it makes sense that they wanna be selective of who gets what in terms of, of magical ability. Because other, I mean, it was chaos in the streets like when, when everybody had an equal ability to get it. It was absolute chaos in the streets. And I understand that as regimented as the library is, on paper, this looks like a great idea. Like, okay, so we can determine who's gonna use this responsibly and who is not and, and try to adjust it that way. We quickly see that after they made that deal and they put the siphon in on the fountain so they can control it, it's not working out the way they thought it was. You, you see the lines in the library to get more power. We see the frustration of the people, uh, you know, on, I guess, our plane, trying to deal with these short bursts of magic that they're even able to use in the first place. And it, it looks like it's quickly becoming a new power struggle of who's going to control the flow amongst us living mortals. So it's interesting to see where this is gonna go. Uh, I know Dean Fogg thinks he's got everything in control, but this is a man who, who thought he did before and lost his eyes. So interested to see where that's gonna go to. Uh, and the great thing about this show is that nobody gets what they want, <laughs> ever. Nobody gets what they want. Not without a cost, not without a crazy consequence. So I'm interested to see with this new season what the fall is going to be for this. New monsters are going to appear, inevitably. Uh, new wars are probably going to break out over the power struggle for this magical ability in the, you know, in the first place. I also wonder if they're going to tie this into other magical creatures because now that there's such a restriction on who can do what, there's going to be a black market for being able to get ability, especially after we saw what they could do with fairies. So interested to see where they go with that. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot more questions now that we have a, a conclusion to the quest. Which, which is typical magician fashion. Like, okay, we're gonna close out this story only to open up a whole other one and then end it. And that is part of their thing. Oh, I also wanted to know though, is uh, is Elliot dead? Is Elliot gone? The the monster from Vaxpire clearly has taken over his body. We found out it's a, it's a body snatcher. It jumps into other bo people's bodies and kind of controls that. 
what they didn't really explain is what happens to the person in that body. Do they go away? Do they die? And now that person, now this thing is in that body or are they like kind of subdued while, while that thing is taking over its body? Questions, questions upon questions. I mean, Elliot can't die. He's one of the kings of Fillory. He's a main character. And I, well, you know, I was gonna say the same thing about Penny, but Penny didn't really die. They brought him back. I mean, albeit they're trying to say it's a different Penny from another timeline, but we still have a Penny. So I'm interested to see what they're gonna do with Elliot. And speaking of Penny, is the t- the timeline Penny that we know gone for good? Like now that he's working under, you know, for the li- the library in their underworld department, is he gone? Gone? Like, are we never seeing him again? Is that why we brought Penny Twenty Three back into the fold? What is what does this mean? What does this mean? More questions. More que- and even though I rather have this Penny Twenty Three than the regular timeline Penny, I'm interested to know how they're going to tie that up. Like, are, are all is all well, is it just going to end with our timelines, Penny, eating cupcakes and this new Penny 23 just stepping in and taking over? Thousands of questions. Thousands of questions. I'm interested to see. It's going to be a wait, though. It's going to be a nice little wait to see where everything is going to go. But that's it for Magicians. And then I'm going to be jumping into the plays I caught over the weekend right after this. So I caught two plays over the weekend. I caught Top and Bottom, which is part of the Rainbow Theater Project uh, over here for the DC Arts Center. And I also caught Underground, the well, the Underground Railroad game uh, over at the Woolly Mammoth, also in DC. Both of these plays were not what I was expecting. So there's that. But they also were fantastic. So Top and Bottom uh, was the cutest. It was a lovely romantic comedy and uh in in regards to two people like just trying to figure things out in regards to their romance and sex lives and and really not knowing anything. It was hilarious. So basically, you know, the whole I guess like summary of the play is that there's uh these two guys who I guess met up on a Craigslist ad somehow. And they're both into S&M. And, you know, we've got one who's a submissive and we've got the other one uh, who, what is that? The controller? The top. He's a top. He's a top. And um, he, they don't really know what they're in for. So, like, they're, <laughs> they're both trying to figure things out. And it's, and it's a mess of things. But it ends up being, like, this whole, like, discovery of person type of story. And the two of them kind of come together. And it was it was adorable and very and the the theater that it was housed in, super intimate. Like there was maybe five rows of seats. We were the the stage is was literally the ground floor. So we were sitting up the top, kind of leaning down towards the floor. I felt like I was in a speakeasy because I am in DC. These are older buildings, they're much smaller. I'm in Adams Morgan. But it was super quaint and it was it was just a lot of fun. It was a quick play. It was like an hour and some change. Not super, super long. But you know, I'm like, as you guys know, I love my Asian dramas. I'm a sucker for romantic comedies. And this definitely fell into that. The, the two leads did a fantastic job. Their chemistry was amazing. And also, especially a shout out to Ryan Townsend. So he plays the character James. His hair is amazing. His hair is amazing. So that you know like that was my biggest takeaway from the playing was that uh his hair was amazing but other than other than that it was just nice it was just nice to get out and see a play that you know I, I wouldn't have really come across any other way other than being in the being in the DMV so it was really cool to to see that and also the audience reaction to the play the best it was hilarious the laughs were hysterical and like i said it was a real quick watch real quick watch not not pro straightforward not not too too out the box for me to be like i don't know what's happening so pretty cool so if if this project comes to a theater near you top and bottom gay comedy uh it's written by kevin michael west it was directed by christopher danson and it was like i said it was really good it was a really good like nice little hour and some change and just a good time not bad not bad real quick 
real quick cover for top and bottom. And then I also got to see uh, the Underground Railroad game that was at the Woolly Mammoth, also in DC, but different section. Um, and that, okay, so that gave me a little bit more uh, what the fuck moments because the, even though I enjoyed the play, the play itself was amazing. It was very eye-opening and it, it brought in a very different perspective in regards to conversations around slavery and around race. And their ties to it were very interesting. They had a lot of, of sexual and romantic ties to this conversation that you wouldn't normally have paired with each other, but it worked. It worked for me. If any, if it, the point of it was to make you talk about it, it did its job. I thought it did a fantastic job. Uh, mind you, uh, I watch theater strictly as a viewer. I, I have no idea about the inner workings of theater other than just being an observer of its entertainment. <laughs> so if there, I know, I'm sure there's all kinds of technical things I could talk about and dynamics I could probably discuss, but uh, I don't know anything about those things. All I know were my emotions as I was watching the play and my, my emotions were all over the place with this play. The, the, the play itself was pretty interactive. Like they let the audience participate as well. There were a lot of laughs during the play. There were also a lot of parts where I was like, what does this have to do with the Underground Railroad? But, you know, to its credit, I, I felt like it, it kind of explained itself pretty well. So, so there was all of that. Also, I brought my husband with me. So my husband doesn't really go to these kind of plays like at all. Mind you, I am just dipping my toe into these plays as well. But his reaction to a lot of what we were seeing was was priceless. Uh, also, the fact that this play had nudity in it, and neither of us knew there was going to be nudity in it. So the Woolly Mammoth is it, it's it's pretty liberal in terms of what they 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 consider themselves groundbreaking and like they push push you know things to the edge in regards to what's going to premiere there and what stories they're going to be sharing. And that's what I love about the Woolly Mammoth. Is that they're not they're not afraid of taking a risk in regards to like a, a concept or story that might not be the most comfortable to talk about. But that being said, they also don't put a lot of disclaimers uh, for the art, and they tell you that up front. Like we don't let you know ahead of time like what's going to go on. If you have questions or if you if you have younger viewers that are going to be coming, you should definitely call our box office and we can let you know what to expect for these shows. Uh, but outside of that, they don't put anything, you know disclaimer wise uh, for you. So that was a surprise for both of us just being like, well, okay, okay. Full frontal male nudity. Okay. All right. How does this tie into the play? So, but other than that, it was, it was eventful as well. So a fire broke out while I was trying to watch the play, apparent, an apparent fire. Turns out it was something else entirely, but uh, it's DC. So if you guys know anything about the, about the city, even though there's like a theater and a bunch of restaurant chains for you to go and visit, more than likely there's apartments on top of these things as well. And somebody was a little too lit in their apartment that the fire people had to be called. And we had to, they had to pause the play, have everybody leave the theater, wait for the all clear, and then for us to all come back in. It was very interesting. And it was in the midst of a national game also. So that meant that DC was crazy crowded. Us trying to find a restaurant before before going to the show, crazy ridiculous. We ended up finding a decent place, but good. It was a it was a nice little hustle. But other than that, it was it was nice. It was nice. If you guys get the chance to go and check out theater, like like your local theater, I highly recommend it. This is somebody who doesn't really do that and has like just kind of started to experiment and see what else is out there because I'm friends with somebody who loves the theater. So you know, it's kind of it's kind of opened my eyes to see other shows and whatnot. It's not bad. It wasn't, it still wasn't a bad experience. I still, I would, if I could, I would watch it again just to see what else I'm missing from either of these plays. But yeah, so that, yeah, that was pretty much it. So both of those plays came out. Um, the Underground Railroad game is running through April 29th. So if you're in the DMV area, go ahead and check it out. And so is Top and Bottom also running through the 29th. All that is happening. Both are good plays. So check them out if you get the chance. And right after this, we are going to be talking about Asian dramas. You know, it's my favorite.
Okay, guys, my favorite part, Asian dramas. So um, if you listened to last week's episode, I was heavily debating whether or not to upgrade my Vicky subscription because there was a show I wanted to watch called Twitch um, that was only available for like their prime subscribers or premium subscribers. Um, but I didn't want to pay $10. I just, I didn't, I didn't want to. Uh, so, but I was really, really tempted to. But then I, re- I found out that that show Twitch will eventually become available for everybody else who's, who bought the cheaper subscription. So I will just wait it out. There's tons of dramas for me to watch in the meanwhile. So that's what I, the consensus I came to in regards to Vicky. I know you're on edge as to whether or not I was going to. So I thought I'd share. But um, also, uh, I caught up with a new idol drama. So uh, Taiwanese dramas for me, I just I just really like them. I really like them. Korean dramas are are still my first love. They're they're the dramas that first got me into the Asian drama game. But there's something about Taiwanese dramas that I resonate with a little bit more than with Korean dramas. I don't know if that's because there's there's more aspects of them that I I recognize as an American watching it or or what. But you know, there you go. So Time, with this Taiwanese drama I'm watching, it's called Iron Ladies. And yo, it is a trip. So like I said, this is, um, or like I've explained before, in Asian dramas, there's a lot of storylines regarding an older woman, younger man. And this is definitely one of those. You've got an older lady, a more established, very professional vice president lady uh, of a branding company for makeup. And she meets this younger man. And it's a younger guy who is like just trying to figure things out. Uh, the backstory for him is that he kind of got swindled. There was like a local n- neighborhood guy who was building him, his build- building up his expectations and his grandmother's expectations for him to have like this huge future in the city, uh, but only to steal their money. Like he told them they had to deposit so much, you know, so many dollars before that he could help. And they gave him like almost everything. And he ran off. So now he's in the city trying to figure out what to do to get his grandmother's money back. And then we also have, like I said, the the main lady. Well, there's there's three ladies, but the head lady kind of in a bind. So the meet cute is that uh, she's the VP of a makeup brand. He's a burgeoning artist and she needs a makeup artist. Something goes down with the makeup artist that she's got scheduled, who's like this legend. And he doesn't. He ends up not being a no show, and she needs somebody to fill in. And she taps into this kid who she's met by accident because he was like floating around the building looking for for the guy that swindled his money. And uh, she gets him to help her, and it turns out he's a great fit. His artistic talent is helping him be a fantastic makeup artist. Is that a stretch? I don't know. Makeup is a is it an enigma to me. I I think it's possible. So. She gets him to help out and there's there there's a slow, you know, they're slowly getting to know each other. There's an obvious attraction between the two, but it's an Asian drama. So we have all these obstacles up as well. Their age gap, the fact that she's actually engaged to somebody who is cheating on her. Um, and the fact that he is like a painfully shy kid who's not sure what to do in regards to making the first move towards somebody. But you know, they're baby stepping it. They're baby stepping it. Right now, this show has it where the the main chick her name is uh the character's name is wong okay bear with me wong i want to say ching ching because i think they pronounce their cues like cha but king king ching i'm gonna say ching ching um oh no that's the married lady just kidding the lead is okay zo kai ting there we go zo kai ting is the vp for the makeup brand and the young guy's name is su khan and right now Kai Ting is in the in the throes of like not knowing what to do because she's broken up her engagement with the guy that's been cheating on her this whole time. Uh, but he's kind of trying to get back into her life. He's like apologizing and being like, I made a terrible mistake and like, we need to get married. They're in their 30s. And as, especially in the culture that she's around, you're, the goal is to get married and settle down. Like that's the goal. And she's nowhere near it right now. Plus, work is super important to her. So she's just like, you know what? I don't need the drama. I'm not sure I want you back in my life. And she's got this this new flirting thing happening with with Sukhan. Uh, meanwhile, she's also got two friends. So there's it's really about these three women in their lives. And she's got one friend who's married. The married lady is Wong Qingqing. There we go. Qingqing 
uh, is the happily married one of the three ladies. So she's she's like the the one that's on the pedestal. They're like, oh, you know, she's living the perfect life right now. It seems like she's in a happy marriage. It seems like everything's kind of going her way. And then we find out rather quickly, that's not the case at all. Her marriage is not a happy one. And I wasn't sure at first. That could just be because I wasn't paying close enough attention. What was going on with her husband? Because like she was like really trying to get his attention and like really putting herself out there. Like, hey, let's let, let's stick it together. Let's have sex. And because she's also trying to try for a kid, and he kept kind of like shrugging her off and pushing her away. And then all of a sudden he stopped doing that. But then he kept comparing her to this other woman. And I was like, what's going on with this? other lady and then we find out the latest episode i just watched this this guy managed to talk his wife into having a threesome like a a a living arrangement threesome so he's got a side chick that's living in their place in addition to his wife and he's just living the high life and it's not a situation where they're a polyamorous couple it's not one where like they both were on the same page and decided that this is a, a thing they want to invite into their lives it was a situation where his wife was desperate to keep him irregardless of her own happiness. And he took full advantage of that in order to have somebody else come into the life as well and and maintain what he already has, like getting his cake and eating it too. I was like, whoa, show, <laughs> wait, what, what is happening? So that that's where I'm at right now. Like her friends just found out that that's what's going on with her. And they're just like, we know you don't like this. We know you wouldn't be happy with this. What is going on? And they're like in the midst of trying to help her out and trying to, trying to figure out what's going on with her. I will give it up for idol dramas. For the most part, even if they introduce like 80 characters into the story, all 80 of these characters are going to end up with a happy ending. That's just how it is. It's just if they're on the good side of things. If it's not a situation where they've got to find redemption for something, they usually end up in a happy, happy place. So I'm interested to see if they're going to introduce a love interest for her, which is my hope is that she's also going to find a new love, someone who's going to treat her well, or if they're going to go the angle of she needed to love herself and she's going to find her happiness on her own. Either way, I'll be happy but I'm interested to see where this actually takes us. And then there's my favorite person. There is a character named Malisha, and she is the Samantha Jones of the show. She is a woman who is jaded by love. So she was married and she, she had a son and her son's now like fully grown, but they ended up having like a crazy messy divorce and she was not happy. And now she's kind of found her happiness on her own. She's, she's discovered like, I don't need to be married to somebody. I can just have my fun and be done with it. So you see her like with a, a string of young gentlemen, basically getting what she wants and getting the heck out like that, like playing like the, a traditional male stereotype. She's, she's playing it on her own grounds. It's refreshing to see that in an Asian drama without a huge backlash or anything. She's just living her regular everyday life. And she's like, everybody's on the same page. I'm not trying to settle down. I'm not looking for a boyfriend or a husband. I'm looking to have my fun and be done like that's it but the route they're they're starting to take her is that like she's kind of met her match type of storyline so there's a guy who's also doing the same thing he's playing the field uh we meet him and he's got like this girl he's ducking from because he's a one-night stand king so he, he talks him into sleeping with him he gets what he wants and then he tries to like peace out he doesn't want to talk to him ever again and he meets her and they're me cute they keep it unique. So she's like crazy drunk. <laughs> he ends up like kind of taking care of her. Like he finds her at the bar. She's at her lowest. She just had a, a blowout with one of her friends. She's super drunk. And there's a part of him that like starts to like care for her as a person, which is new for him. And then to his surprise, when she sobers up and sees him and meets him or whatever, she's not thankful at all. Like she, <laughs> she, she treats him like, well, why, why are you here? I don't want to well, we'll separate. And that kind of intrigues him more because he's, he's not, he's never had a negative reaction like that uh, in regards to somebody. And usually he can use his charm and his looks and get what he wants. And in, in her case, she's like, nah, I'm not impressed by that. And he starts to chase her for a little bit and it quickly becomes apparent. Like, like that's not going to go anywhere. This, this plan of yours isn't going to do anything. But it looks like he's kind of settled on a new plan, which is like going a business route. He's like a, a potential uh, partner 
for their makeup brand and she deals with sales and it's her job to keep these partners happy. And now she sees them and she's like, ah, oh, crap. Like now I've got to like really suck up to this guy and try to meet him halfway so I can keep him happy. So I can keep, you know, I'm like, keep work happy and keep things moving. But you see them using that as, as a way to break down their own barriers so that they, they talk to each other as people and not just as like these assumptions they've had of each other. Oh, Asian dramas, they get deep. So I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the rest of this. Uh, there's a lot of episodes, thankfully, that are already up. Because uh, even though it's airing right now as well in Taiwan, they're like on their like 13th, 14th episode. And I just started this. So it's nice to have a bunch of episodes to look forward to. But uh, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at with Asian dramas right now. Until the next time, uh, I'm interested to see where everything goes. In regards to that and and how how all these love cutes are going to end up. We know we're gonna end up happily. It's a it's a Taiwanese drama. But I'm always I'm always a, I'm always up down for the ride. The ride is always fun. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. So after this, I'm gonna jump into My Hero Academia. The new season has come out and the, and the manga. Manga. Manga, yes, has come out as well. Right after this. Okay, so My Hero Academia is out right now. Season three, episode one has premiered. It's on Funimation and Crunchyroll. Also, their their latest manga is out too. Manga, manga. You know what? Someone's going to correct me eventually. I'll get there. But yes, their latest book is out too. And I got to say, I was looking forward to this book. Uh, the last manga definitely left you. I mean, it was there gave you a lot of closure in regards to the arc that they had run uh, with their summer school activities but you know we always want more this, this, this series is incredible i just really especially right now in the u.s with it being as hype as it is about superhero shows seeing this version of a superhero story is it's very interesting it's it's unique enough that you want to keep following it but it also plays to some similar tropes that you don't feel super alienated from the material it's pretty, it's really good. It's really good. So I finished the manga and got to see a little bit new, uh, more story in regards to where they're heading in the latest arc for this. It's, they're still, it, it's, it's about a high school. So they're still doing a lot of training right now, still learning how to deal with their abilities, their uniforms, and, and how that's all going to correlate to them professionally when they become professional heroes. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, it was a quick read. It was a super fast read because, like I said, the, the story is interesting and it keeps you locked into it, but it's also simplistic enough that you're not like, what is happening right now? So all of that's happening with the manga. Um, I want to say in this ver the latest book, it's right after uh, the All Might all one for and one for all showdown so we get to see the aftermath of that uh, but we also get more training so they're doing more training uh they're learning how to mod their costumes especially with deku he's got to be super careful with his ability and his body because it shatters so easily and he is using an explosive amount of power without his body really being ready to withstand all of it that's another thing i really like about anime and in manga in general, they add like these real world consequences to to these fantasies, but they're believable enough that you can follow the logic. So I really like that they added that in there. Like, yeah, I'm not just stupid, crazy, powerful with no consequences. There's there's little things that are going to happen as well that can amount to huge things later. That's in there, too. But yeah, so in this latest book, um, they are doing like a showdown with other schools. I love that there's other schools that also are, you know, in superheroes in training. I love that we got introduced to new characters. I'm interested to see what relationships are going to grow out of these characters. There's one guy in particular who just friggin' loves everything. And like, he's just he's super excited about everything. And it turns out he's like a crazy powerful too. I'm really hoping that this guy is going to become like a mainstay at some point for us. He, he was hilarious. It's hysterical. If you get the chance to watch it or watch it, read it, definitely check it out. There's also like a flower boy character who's got, who's kind of devious. Like he's trying to be a superhero. You can easily see this guy becoming a supervillain. 
and his his ability is interesting too but but the craziest thing is like how he is reacting to everybody and only one person really knows what he's up to and of course that's bakugo of course it is <laughs> of course he'd be the one to see under the bs and be like okay no nope but that's because he doesn't like anybody so you mean we got that too, but it was it it was a fun read. It was a really, really was a fun read. You got to see some teamwork. You got to see uh, UA go come out ahead, of course, to the best. It was a great read, great read, which set me up and primed me up for the anime return, season three, episode one, uh, which is going to talk about their summer break. But we got a filler episode, and okay. It's anime. You're going to get those. You're going to get a bunch of filler episodes where like all they do is just kind of touch back on memories. For the most part, the filler episodes make a lot of sense. There's a break from the season. When you first come in, they kind of want to recap for you and be like, okay, these were the highlights of the last season. And this is what we're going to talk about moving forward. But I'm also impatient. So I don't need a filler episode. I need it to immediately jump into the action, please immediately because that's what this first episode was it was, a, it was a filler it was a recap we get them they're like in the first days of their summer break and they decide to play like some swim games to get some training in and it quickly becomes a contest between the guys to see like you know who's the best of the best because that's how it always breaks down and you know i mean even i still enjoyed it i still enjoyed the little competition we got and seeing the familiar faces and everybody back again as they set up for the new season but uh it, it still was a filler episode. And my rant with Funimation was they're supposed to be doing this thing where they put out the episode the same day it airs in Japan, dubbed. If you are into dubbing, you know it takes a little bit for the English translations to come back out. They've got to get you know the source material, get it translated, get the voice actors to do their part, record that part, put it in with editing and everything, and then put it out. It's not a quick, quick thing. But they set it up that they were going to do it the same day. And instead, they gave us the Japanese version of it. Like, I don't need to go to Funimation to see the subs. I go to Crunchyroll for that. If I want to see that, I will go to Crunchyroll for that. Of the two, and, uh, I don't want to put too many things on blast, but Crunchyroll is just my go-to for, for subtitling. It, it is. I mean, they're, they're super consistent. Like, if they tell you it's going to be the, the same day as it airs in Japan, it's gonna be the same date as it airs in Japan. And that's what happened here. We got to see it in its glory right then and there. Funimation's whole point is for dubbing. But you know, so they sent out their little email and apology, just like, uh, yeah, we didn't finish it yet, but we will have it ready for the second episode. And that's when everything starts taking off. So we will see. And if you're wondering why I have a Crunchyroll and a Funimation uh, subscription, I have my reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> so, there. Sometimes Funimation gets a series that Crunchyroll doesn't have, and vice versa. And I want to watch as much as I can. So, that happens. I've also realized that, like, Hulu does the same thing. Like, One Punch Man, I can only watch it on Hulu. I'm sure there are a bunch of other anime subscriptions, uh, channels, and streaming services. I'm just not aware of them. So, if you guys know of any, that should be checking out. Let me know. I'll check it out. I'll see what's going on. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. That's it for My Hero Academia. Not not too much. It was just a filler episode. That's pretty much it. And real quickly, I'm going to talk about The Expanse. So The Expanse, season three? Yep, season three. Episode one. Or yeah, episode one. It's going to be airing pretty soon, April 11th. I'm excited. I'm excited. I I ended up really liking The Expanse and I didn't think I was going to. Uh, Sci-fi shows, especially with them dealing with with space, space shows, they're like, for me, it's either a yay or a nay. Either I really, really like it or I don't like it at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> I'm gonna say some blasphemous things. Battlestar Galactica was one of those shows that I really wanted to like. I just could never get into. Uh, it could be that I was distracted by other things. I know people quote all the time. I use fracking all the time. That is from Battlestar Galactica. I haven't seen an episode. So there's that. But, you know, with a lot of space shows, especially if it's space western shows, I usually love them. Firefly, Farscape, 
I'm counting Farscape as a space western show. Love them. Love them, love them. Star Trek, love them, love them, love them. With The Expanse, I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to like this. It's based on a book. This, these books are, are pretty epic. There's, there's a huge following behind these books. And I wasn't sure what exactly I was going to get. I'm like, okay. So we're talking, you know, it's the future. But I was pleasantly surprised to see the diversity they put, the, the thought about diversity that they put into the books and the storylines. Is it perfect? No. But it's an amazing attempt. I mean, they talk about how, like, you know, we're basically on brand new planets. They're terraforming a lot of things. And just how, like, you know, depending on the workers that were there and the cultural norms that they would have brought with them, how that transpires and how that would have cultivated these existing generations. It's very interesting to see an entire, what is it? The belt, that, that whole belt. They have a, a type of Creole, a type of pigeon that they they speak with going back and forth. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. But what really got me with The Expanse, outside of the really brilliant storytelling that they're doing, it's pretty good storytelling, was the fact that we have a Polynesian Marine. Okay, I met, I was super excited when they announced that Frankie Adams was gonna be taking on a role. Frankie Adams is a New Zealand actress. I'm aware of her because she's been in some other Polynesian projects, um, especially the soaps down there. And I'm only aware of that because I, I pay attention to a lot of Polynesian entertainment that's out there, that's home for me. So when I found out that there was a Samoan character, I was like, wait, what? We have a Samoan character in this thing? Was she Samoan in the book? And then finding out that she was Samoan in the book, and this girl has been killing it as Bobby Draper. I love the storyline they gave her. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to see her like staunch loyalty to her home planet, which is Mars. And kind of like this arc she gets about coming to terms with this loyalty. Like, was this loyalty earned? Is it crazy now that she's learned more and more truths about her, you know, what's exactly going on with the government and her planet, especially in the wake of all of this tragedy that's happening at the same time? It's amazing. And I am here for it. We don't see a lot of Polynesians uh, in sci-fi, let alone a lot of entertainment anyway. So claps. Claps, 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 claps for the fact that that is something that is happening. And it, just like I said, the story, the story is amazing. We have an Asian lead as well in here. We have a, a black female lead too. Like it's, the diversity is great. So I'm down for the expanse. I'm excited to see when it comes back. I will be recapping it once it comes back. I've already caught up on season one and season two. I've been watching them as well. I'm interested to see where this is going to go. I'm interested to see what these weapons. I'm interested to see what's going to happen to the kids that they're turning into weapons. It's 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 going to be a ride, and I can't wait. But yeah, so yeah, that's going to be it then. That's going to be it for Curvy Geeky Fangirl recaps. This long stream of consciousness that you guys have been sticking around for. So thank you. Uh, like I said, if you have any shows you think I should be checking out, hit me up in these Twitter streets. It's so I'm over at Curvy Geeky Fangirl. There's no A in Fangirl, no I in Fangirl for Twitter because character limits. But you can catch everything over at CurvyGeekyFangirl.com. Uh, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, the likes, it's all right there. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'll be monitoring the hashtag CGF recaps. If you guys want to have a discussion on any of the shows I've gone over or even of the future shows I've mentioned, yeah. Keep this conversation going. I'd love to hear from you. And that's that's going to be it for this week. I will see you guys next time. Bye.